was interesting as I was listening to you about what AOC um, attributed to the reason for less children and then economists and what they attributed to the reason for it. I thought to myself, hmm, if you had a back condition, if you went to an orthopedist, he would say it was the bones. And if you went to a chiropractor, he would say it was because you're misaligned (laughs) uh, and so on and so on. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I get a little philosophical as we discuss how does society impact marriage, positively and negatively. Stay tuned. I'm going to keep this short. First, thank you for listening. If you're a regular listener, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review on whatever platform you listen to us on. This will help others discover us. Also, if you like the podcast, I highly recommend visiting our website, hitchedmag.com, which is updated daily with new content and where you will find thousands of articles available anytime. Lastly, I understand that not everything we talk about applies to everyone. However, I am confident that if you go to hitchmag.com and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, that you will find at least one and probably more pieces of information each week that will help your marriage thrive. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again, and everybody can say it with me, the original uh, Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hi, Steve. I'm good. Thanks. Uh, So, Karen, if you didn't get the uh, answer to that first question, uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. She is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Um, And she is a regular, as you know. She is one of the original guests, as you know. And today, she is going to hopefully... Um, help help me navigate this topic that I threw at her that she's just like, I don't know. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, how much does society affect marriage? Um, so a couple things I, I just to, to kind of like set the stage for this. Uh, we know that today's generation are getting married later than ever before. Um, so uh, for men, it's roughly about 29 years old on average that they first get married. For women, it's about 27. Um, we also know that uh, this younger generation is divorcing a lot less with divorce rates declining 18% from 2008 to 2016. So again, if people, if you hear people give you that crap about 50% of marriages fail, tell them they don't know what they're talking about. That is like 50 year old data. Uh, it just drives me nuts. Um, <laughs> uh, and that, that, by the way, the 18% uh, decline happened for people under the age of 45, um, because we do know there's a spike with like, um, older people and the, the, the grain divorce phenomenon that's happening. Um, uh, so this is all to say that something is going on. Um, now, uh, apolitically, um, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, as many people know her, has attributed, for example, the declining birth rate to climate change, saying, suggesting that why would uh, uh, a young couple want to bring a child into a world that 
is going to be seeing catastrophic uh, natural disasters in their lifetime. So that's why they're not having kids. You can agree, disagree, whatever. But the point being is that something's going on, right? Um, Economists have discussed how couples are marrying later because uh, they are first getting their financial footing, meaning that marriage itself has become uh, more of a status symbol for those who are well-off and or elite. Um, So this all got me thinking, uh, when people are getting married younger, uh, having kids younger and divorcing more back in, you know, basically all (laughs) throughout history, uh, recent history, except for the last like 25 years or so, uh, what was going on then? Um, So I want to pose my first question to you, Karen, is do you think society has an invisible hand that has some sort of impact, sometimes dramatic, regarding marriage? Well, I think that that is a true statement always. I don't know that people can say, oh, we're getting married or we're not getting married or we're having children or we're not having children because of society. But I think that that is a naturally occurring phenomenon. So during wartime, um, people might have had less children because their husbands weren't around. They were you know, uh, mm-hmm. out at war. So I think society is always affecting us. Um, when you look at sociological phenomena, we look at, you know, how did certain things that were going on historically have an impact on what was happening in the way people were living? So I think, yes. You know, it was interesting as I was listening to you about what AOC um, attributed to the reason for less children. And then economists and what they attributed to the reason for it. I thought to myself, hmm, if you had a back condition, if you went to an orthopedist, he would say it was the bones. And if you went to a chiropractor, he would say it was because you're misaligned (laughs) uh, and so on and so on. So I think that depending on um, the perspective of the person that you speak to, they're going to give you their answer based on the way that they look at the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there are a number of reasons that we have a declining birth rate, um, and I don't know that it's necessarily because of any one of those factors. I think it's due to probably... Um, several of those factors together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we say this all the time, but trying to paint a, a single brushstroke across all people is, you know, like a futile thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, there might be somebody out there who had decided not to have kids or postpone kids until this climate change thing has been resolved. But mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't apply to everybody. Um, I also love your, your war um, wartime Uh, example, because not only were people not having kids because the other uh, spouse was, you know, on a different continent in many cases, um, but also people got married uh, specifically Mm -hmm. because they were about to go off to war. Correct. And, you know, they wanted to have that security. And and, um, so, yeah, so that is a great example. And you have an entire generation called the baby boomer generation, because then when they came home, Everybody got pregnant. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yes. So there you go. So that was uh, that's a, that's such a perfect example. Um, so with with that being said, um, so 
issues like climate change, college debt, uh, or other things that you've heard about, um, are there things that you've heard about in your practice that you might think are having an impact on people's relationships right now, some of the issues? Quite frankly, when people come in to uh, speak with me, I have never heard them say, well, we're not having children because the climate is changing, or we're having difficulty in our marriage because <laughs> we got married too young. Um, they, they just don't put it in those kinds of terms. So I have right. to say no. Um, you know, they might discuss that we have a lot of debt, and then we may discuss that they have debt because of college or something, but that's really not the way the discussions go. It has more to do with what's going on in their relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's totally fair. Um, Can you think of a change uh, more policy-wise than, say, something existential like climate um, from, you know, generations past to present day that has changed uh, and is having some sort of unintended consequence that we we might want to look at? Well, I think that um, things like the mores of uh, people not being so judgmental about people living together uh, has had consequences. I think certainly um, IVF um, does have a consequence. Um, In vitro fertilization for people. Yeah. Who don't know. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I think that um, um the whole situation about uh, abortion, and right now we're right in the midst of that discussion again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of those factors do have um, a lot of impact on the way that people think about marriage and children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. I, You know, it would be interesting, you brought up the um, cohabitating uh, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. I've mentioned it before. My wife and I cohabitated, geez, for almost a decade before we wound up getting married. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about um, the slide versus decide, where mm-hmm. you move in together for um, convenience as opposed to moving in together for the purposes of seeing how it works before you make mm-hmm. the next step. Um, I would be really interested to see if there uh, is some sort of research out there on like the the number of couples who moved in with the intention of being the first step or the next step before you know the deciding as opposed to the sliding uh, mm-hmm. and how many of them broke it off before getting married and if there's any kind of like matching of that kind of a data pattern data set versus those uh, from generations past who moved in right after they got married and what that looks like if there's like a similar Mm -hmm. of those who moved in with the intention of getting married and then broke up versus those who moved in for the first time after getting married and then broke up later on if there's like similar i think that'd be kind of cool yeah i think that i I think it's a very good question i've not seen any research on that that doesn't mean there isn't but i haven't seen it and i do think that that's a very interesting uh that would be a very interesting kind of statistic to look at yeah um and you also brought up ivf treatment which i think is really Another interesting one, too, because 
um, with this like medical advancement where um, child uh, becoming a parent wasn't an option for a lot of couples, many couples, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Before, and it now has become an option. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. it becomes also a false hope because sometimes people dump tens of thousands of dollars and it just doesn't work. Yes. Yes. Um, and so that causes its own unique strain on a relationship financially and more, I oh, think absolutely. even more importantly, like emotionally oh, sure. of these like potentially false promises. So, um, those are some really, those are really great examples. Yeah. We should also throw in surrogacy where that was certainly something that was never an option before. Uh, so that changes, uh, the impact of a relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also is going to be financially draining. Um, and but also offer more options that just were not available in the past. Yeah. So those kinds of changes, um, you know, are things that have happened uh, both scientifically and in the culture that would have an effect on couples. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, you mentioned um, abortion rights. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know this is a hot button topic, but uh, just the fact that um, a family would have the option if if they knew their child was like severely, severely disabled, where their life would essentially become mm-hmm. caretakers 24 um, seven, just having that option uh, where that wasn't an option before. Um, at least legally, right? Um, right. That you know that has obviously had like a tremendous amount, of, a tremendous impact for a lot of couples too. So, um, yeah. So I think I think it's safe to say that there is an invisible hand of the market, uh, per, so, so to speak, um, when it comes to um, sociological change and, and impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you thought we lived in a perfect world. Do you think marrying older, having fewer kids is something that we should worry about? Because you hear a lot of uh, a lot of experts, I'll just call them, uh, talk about how you know we should be freaking out about the fact that this generation, the current generation, is marrying older, having fewer kids. Do you think it's something we should worry about, or is, is it just something that's different and we're not used to it? I think it's different. The only concern mildly that I have is I read something recently that there is a chance that we are no longer reproducing at the rate we are where we are going to replace ourselves. Um, there was a time where we were reproducing so many children that there were going to be more people living on earth than what we now have, but that in the United States, we were no longer doing that. Mm -hmm. So that might be the only concern. Um, But other than that, I don't think it's anything to worry about. I think it's just something that's different. Um, A lot of people are choosing not to have children. A lot of people are choosing to only have one child. And I think, you know, again, it's it's just a matter of choice. It's just different. Mm -hmm. Um, Regarding the um, the the decrease of population, um, Mm -hmm. I know that's uh, an issue that is brought up a lot, particularly with economists when it comes to developing countries, Japan is like notorious uh, for this issue, um, which is also ironically partly why they dominate the um, robotics industry um, Mm -hmm. because they have this growing elder population without enough um, children to 
become ter- caretakers. And so they mm-hmm. have like automated a lot of this stuff. Um, and anybody who's a bit of a futurist knows that automation, AI, like all that stuff is coming, um, which is going to take, you know, jobs, whether, you know, people are reproducing or not. Um, and getting back to the climate change thing, uh, climate scientists will say that part of the problem is um, an overpopulation of the planet. So this is all to say that, um, you know, yes, <laughs> it, it is a thing that is happening. Yes. Um, and I, I agree. I will put my... Uh, put a stake in the ground here. I agree. I don't think it's a problem. Um, I actually think it probably wouldn't be a bad, such a bad thing if the population fell a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. because we like, what's like, what's the big argument that people have now is automation is going to take all these jobs. Automation is going to do all these things. Well, if there's not as many people to have to worry about, doesn't that kind of solve right. that problem a little bit? Yeah. And you talk about like, what's the carbon, what is your personal carbon footprint? Well, guess what? If you take away some of those f- feet, <laughs> you don't have those carbon <laughs> right. footprints, right? So yeah. um, I'm not at calling for the eradication of humans, but I think it's not a big issue um, in the meta sense if people have fewer kids for the you know the next generation or so. Uh, so, you know, I'll leave it there. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So then lastly, if you could make one change today that you believe would have a positive impact on couples and families, what would it be? I would say that before you get your marriage license, you must take a course in um, marriage. <laughs> Hello, are you there? Yeah, yeah, no, I I like that. I like that, yeah. Um, I think that, you know, we have, and I'm sure somewhere along all the podcasts we've done, I've mentioned this, but, you know, we have um, court exams that we have to take to uh, get a a, uh, driving license. We have courses and exams we have to take in order to get a degree in whatever profession we're going into. And there are now lots and lots of information that we have about what makes a marriage successful, um, but we don't require people to take that course. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, unfortunately, a lot of times we still marry based purely on emotions. I'm not saying that that shouldn't count, but there's a lot more to making a um, successful marriage and a successful family than emotion. And I do think it should be a requirement that everybody take that, uh, you know, some sort of course in that. Mm-hmm. And, and marrying based on emotion is a relatively new concept, uh, uh mm-hmm. because before it was f- for security and lands and, and mm-hmm. family rights and all sorts of stuff like that. But, um, I love that. And to your point, like if you were, uh, if you're, if you're going to take care of kids, for example, you have to go through classes, like as, as a profession, right? So right, you have right. to go through classes and security checks and all this stuff, at least if whoever is taking care of your kids is like a good organization. If they're not doing this, I would heavily look into it. Um, but to become a parent, you don't have to do that. And to your point about marriage, um, you don't have to know Jack Diddley about mm-hmm. relationship dynamics. Um, Correct. Which, again, it's like, I get it. I get it. But I love, I love this idea. And, you know, um, 
what, one of the things that I do believe that a lot of religious organizations do well is they do have people, if they want to get married in their parish or whatever, um, they will have them take a class or read a book or something before they uh, allow them to marry. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, but I think something more formal, like if you're going to get the license, shouldn't you have to take a test? Correct. Right? Correct. That seems, yeah. that seems to make a lot of sense. Um, yes. I uh, I really like that. Now, uh, one last thing, because I know there are these unintended consequences. Um, it's got to be, a, you know, I feel like there has to be the economic feasibility of it, because then it's like, oh, are you going to add this burden of now I got to dole out 250 bucks to take a test to get married? You know what I mean? So anyways, mm-hmm. um, knowing that like marriage for a lot of people um, is already an expensive endeavor. And I mentioned at the top about how it has become this um, status symbol for the well-off and, and elite. Oh, I wanted to disagree with you on that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a status symbol. Okay. Um, and I don't think that marriage is just for the elite. Um, I'm not really sure why it's considered that. I think lots of people who are not necessarily financially well off still get married. Right. Um, I'm. I'm not sure where that is coming from. No, I agree with you too. I think it's because people who would have gotten married um, will uh, not all, but I think some people who s- might say that they would have gotten married if it hadn't been so damn expensive to throw a wedding or something. Now, that's not to say that they don't have options. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I agree with you. I don't think it's a uh, an elite status symbol, but I do think it is a bit of a marker about where you are in your life. Uh, mm-hmm. For a lot of people, not everyone. Again, I I don't like to paint uh, single brush strokes across mm-hmm. whole, whole swaths of people, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you. Okay. Um, do you have anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, no, not really. But you were saying it should the course be expensive, you know, or or, or just should, free or funded, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I do think that it should be. Um, reasonably priced Mm -hmm. at at the very least, if not even free. Uh, But I do think it should be required. Yeah. And I think the other thing about it is um, people might argue, and I I see this argument, this is a bit of a tangent, but not really, um, like with the pharmaceutical industry, it's like, you know, these uh, individual pharmaceutical companies will have these like crazy patents that give them power over like a single drug. But those mm-hmm. drugs were developed off of the genome project, which was like a government funded project. Um, and it's like, well, shouldn't more people have access to that information? I know that company did a lot of research, but that research is based off of like government information. And, you know, when you have all these universities who have done all these marriage studies um, and research projects that were government funded, shouldn't that information be available to everybody to mm-hmm. benefit all relationships? So, um, so anyway, so that just tossing that in there too. Um, Okay, this was uh, this was this was great, Karen. Um, I I think we uh, covered this a little bit more thoroughly than I was uh, could have hoped for. <laughs> so this is fantastic. So thank you so Good. much, as always, for your time. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Um, and before we go, I do want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, 
who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information and much more at her website, drkarensherman.com. Of course, you can find this info at our website, hitchedmag.com, along with uh, the entire archive of all of our podcasts, uh, all 350 plus of them at this point. Um, You can find uh, thousands of articles ready for your reading, um, a newsletter, and much more. So hopefully you check that out at hitchedmag.com. And so with that, that's going to do it this week. Until next time, take care, everybody. Yeah.